Dear Lord, I thank you for our time together again. Lord, I just, I, I want so badly for our young people to just have the experience that you've always wanted them to have. I want us old people to have this experience that you've always wanted us to have. You raised the church to be your agency to save men. Help us function more efficiently with greater fruit like you've always intended it to be. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me, let me tell you why I, I, I so passionate about young people. And, I, and Sunday, um, Sunday I'm walking along and I, I run into a young man and his age doesn't matter and who he was doesn't matter. But what does matter was he was Baked. I don't, I, that's the term we, I use. Uh, he was hiring a kite. And he could barely walk. Now I know him, and he knows me. So I greeted him, and he, was, he just was out of it. And he was trying to act like, um, he was trying to act like he was okay but he wasn't. And my soul just was hurting. You know what I'm saying? Now, we don't live anywhere near each other. We don't... Like, here's my philosophy, and you, could, you can tell me after class how wrong I am, and I would gladly like to learn. But I don't... I feel like in order for me to address that, I actually need to be closer to him than I actually am. You know what I mean? Because part of you wants to go, dude, I totally know you're baked. What's the matter with you? Or not even that. Then the other side of me wants to go, dude, go to your trailer. You, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get busted. And they're like, you can't say that. You're the pastor. You know, you're, you're like, what do you do? You know, so like the friend, you know, you know what do you do? And I, I feel like I'm, I'm just neutralized. But I'm hurting because I know that he's hurting. And not only that, I know his family and I know his situation. And I'm going to be very honest. The last thing I'm going to do is tell his father. Because I know what he'll do. You follow where I'm going? And so I'm like, well, I'll see him when he sobers up. And then I'll go, hey, man, please tell me I'm wrong, but I, I'm concerned about you. But I haven't seen him since. So now what do you do? Do you text? Do you social media private message? You follow what I'm saying? Sure. It's hard. But you know what I would do if we were in relationship and we were in this type of program? 
I mean, you know, what kind of options do you have? What, what options would you have? Right, like, hey, see you tomorrow. Like, while he's high, hey, tomorrow, remember, we're going to go, oh, yeah. You, you follow what I'm saying? And then tomorrow, while we're working together, man, hey, how was your day? Uh, okay. Yeah, you seemed a little, were you, were you sick? <laughs> like, because I just want you to know that I love you no matter what. And we can have a conversation, and that conversation can stay right here if you want to talk as we're doing whatever we need to be doing. And maybe one day he would feel safe enough to go, man, I was, and explain. Because relationship, it's messy, right? It's hard. But... I know this. When I was not walking with the Lord, what kept me close were people that knew that I was walking way outside of the will of God who still loved me, who actually talked to me as if I was one of them. They always use inclusive language, like, man, we are, you know, they, whether it was like a Christian uh, success story, they would say things like, man, aren't we, isn't God blessing us? And I'd be like, yeah. Or if they talked about something that was like theological, and of course we know this, and not as an as a, as a in, uh, exclusive thing, but like, hey, you and I, you know, we have this opportunity. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And you know what was going, every time, going on every time they said that to me? The Holy Spirit was convicting. You know, it could be a whole lot better. This morning as I was praying, I came under this conviction, and I, I actually uh, posted it just because I just, I, God, by your grace, help me to love everybody. And by your grace, help me to have enmity or help me to hate Everything that hurts me and you. Like, think about that. I want to hate everything. I want to hate what I absolutely love that hurts me. You, you catch what I'm saying? Like, help me. It's easy to say, help me to hate uh, machine guns, because they would hurt me. But it's harder to say, and then you, you can just insert... Have you, ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever went, I've done this, I'm going to get off the confessional, I'm sorry, I'm on a sidetrack, but have you ever got done, you've sat before a meal and you said, and I've, I've literally said this, Lord, I know you can't bless this, but I'm going to thank you for it anyway. I, I can't have a blessing, but I can give thanks. You know, like, this is not going to help my waste. Okay, but help me to hate anything that hurts me or others. That changes my mindset. All right, sorry, here we go. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. Now, <clears throat> uh, for those of you that are, are, are new here today, thank you so much for coming. Um, 
this, what we've kind of done is we've set up tables, so we encourage you to sit with others if you feel comfortable doing so. And uh, <laughs> I just messed with you. Uh, so yeah, that's what you like to do, and because we're going to be doing some, we're going to have some discussion and activities. Uh, what we've 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 focused on so far is uh, we we've talked about what mingling looks like, right? What, how how does that work? And we talked also uh, about what what happens when we match our strengths with what our needs in the community, right? Uh, but just a, a quick review, and, and to process this, this quote a little bit, if uh, mingling plus desiring their good plus showing their sympathy plus ministering to their needs equals confidence. Right? I, I, I talked to you about this young gentleman this morning that I saw that was just, just so out of it. Um, I, I need to, to build confidence with him so that I can have this conversation, right? Do you have people in your life that they have so much confidence in you or vice versa that they could tell you anything and you might be offended, but you wouldn't leave the relationship, right? Like for, for me, the obvious for me is, is my wife, right? Like she can tell me stuff that um, no one else can. And it doesn't mean I like it at all, but then I'm like, okay, you're right. You know, like you should never wear that shirt or why are you, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay. What's that? Yeah. Right, yeah. She could tell me what color the shirt really was. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, for those of you that are new or listening to this, you'll have to go to the first episode, whatever. So, um, right. No, yeah. So, so the, all of these things, the, the point of what we're doing is we're building confidence. We're building confidence with our youth. We're building confidence in the community. And, and <clears throat> again, how do you get people to like you? This is the like for, formula. I mentioned this earlier. Jack Schaefer developed this. He, had a, he wrote a book called The, the Like Switch. But uh, the like formula, if you want to get anyone to like you, now I'm not saying it's foolproof, but it's a process. Matter of fact, if you want to like something, literally using this process could work. Um, and, and so here it is. One is proximity, meaning hang out with it all the time. Okay. Second, frequency. Don't not just not just get into the area where it is or where this person is, but do it often. <clears throat> After our meeting, I, I went to a um, one of the other tents that I'm involved with, and uh, a guy, you know, he he basically was in a, a phase of his life, and, and he just said, "Man, I can't get a girlfriend." He was frustrated. And I was thinking, proximity, propink. Remember we talked about propinquity. I was thinking, propink, you need propinquity, brother. You know, and so uh, I just didn't, I didn't say that at first, you know, and he was just, you know, telling the thing. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, proximity, frequency, going there often. Uh, the third thing, duration, spending more time with it, with that person or with whatever activity. And then intensity. Uh, if you look at what we've been talking about this week, uh, these things, these components are, are in the process. And if it's not, as you are developing something at your local churches, you have to ask yourself, how are we getting this? How are we building these things in our, in our um, model? Okay. 
Now, just on a side note, have you ever had anyone tell you something to the effect of, you know, you should always do your devotions every day? Have you ever heard anything like that? Uh, we need to do our devotions. And it, it almost sounds like legalistic because it's like this action. But in, in all actuality, what they really mean, whether they recognize it or not, is they're ex wanting to experience propinquity. By doing these four things, you're going to get that. Every day you're going to grow, you're going to get in the presence of God. Every day there's your frequency. The longer your devotions are, the more intense conversations you have. And then 2 Corinthians 3.18 kicks in and you become changed. Have you ever noticed that older couples start to look like each other? You're laughing. Is that true? <laughs> you look like Tom? <laughs> no, it's, it's really weird. It, it happens. And they say that people look like their dogs. I'm not sure about that. But, but like the whole concept of the, the, the older you get, it's really weird. And I don't know if, I, I mean, I, I can't explain that. But it, it's just really intriguing. Do you know that God designed your brain to actually change based on what you're beholding? It's called neuroplasticity. Your brain can absolutely change. It, it, it can fire up uh, new pathways, and, and you, you literally can, can change the way you think. How many of you, if you wear belts, when you put them on, you always put them on the same way? You ever notice that? Yeah, you, you just, you don't even think about it. How many of you do it the same way, but you actually think it's difficult to do? Like, maybe you're not, maybe you're all flexible, but... Like the whole, that loop right there in the back, early in the morning when you're not feeling real stretchy, you know, you're like, you know, whatever. And so, um, that's maybe, again, too much information. Uh, but you're, you're like, man, I could pro there's probably a better way. But you're like, no, this is what I do, you know, whatever. But God created your brain to, again, whatever you focus on, you'll mold into it. Actually, and this is the book Education, God says this um, through the prophet, the goal was for you to just look at him only throughout all eternity, and actually you would just be more and more like him until, not that you would be God, but you would just be like God. And I say that, you understand that in a purely theologically correct way. We were actually designed to act like God. Now, that's awesome. If God is love and he creates you with that propensity to do that, that's how you, prop, uh, you, you, you reproduce love. Now, obviously, if you have that type of propensity to be the greatest, as much like God as possible, choice also has the flip side, which is why he said, I never even want you to know about it. That's why they even huddled up. Lucifer got mad because he wasn't in the plan. The reason why is they didn't even want him to know about that option that they discussed. You, you follow me? And he got mad about it. So how, how'd that happen? I don't know. I can't explain that. But God never wanted you to look at evil. He wanted you to look at him. So this really works. I believe with all my heart. So that when you, when you connect in the community and you ask for people to help you, what you're really wanting them to do is to hang out with you so much that they'll become like you. Now this, let me finish the statement by... Do you realize how, how responsible you are now for your actions? Because if you're going to start ministering and they're going to follow, they're going to, like people, if, if, if there's anybody that's come to the church recently, 
Tell me if this isn't true. When you come into the church community, you kind of look around and go, what is everybody doing, right? How do they dress? How do they act? And then you're like kind of getting your cue off of them. And we always say, well, you need to look at Christ. And that's absolutely true, but it's, very, it's our human nature to look around. So if you're going to do ministry, this isn't legalism by saying, look, I need to get rid of this and that or whatever. What you're saying is, I want to get rid of anything that blocks their view of Christ. Because I'm literally asking them to hang out with me all the time. Because I think that if they hang out with me and we act like Jesus, they'll want Jesus. That's what the light is that God has called you to be. So, um, <clears throat> this is the, these are the four basically major components of field work. Engage, which again, we've been talking about all week. The second is equip, and we're going we're gonna to focus on equip for a little bit. I'm going to give you a question, and you'll be in your groups, and you can discuss this. But um, engage, first we need to engage the community. We actually need to connect with them and talk with them. Then secondly, we need to equip. We need to equip our young people on how to engage. We need to equip our young people on how to uh, be lights in their community. But we also need to equip these people that we're meeting to train them how to do what we're trying to do. Does this make sense? I mean, this is this. This is business 101. Whenever you, you know, we ever hire a new employee, they go through training, correct? So we need to go through a process of equipping them. Now, um, yesterday, and I don't know if you still have this list or not. How many of you still have your list of things that you came up with strengths and needs? Okay. All right, so here's what I'm going to want you to do now. If you, is there a table that doesn't have it? Oh, great. Fantastic. Um, do you mind join, joining whoever you want to join? That's fine. Okay. Um, and I, were you here yesterday? Oh, perfect. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you a, 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 this next question. What kind of training is needed in order to do this new ministry? Okay. So here's what I'd like you to do. You've decided on your strengths. You've now decided on a, let's, you're going to need to pick one. Okay? Here's the strengths of our little group. And based on our strengths, we're going to pick this actual idea. Does this make sense? So it might be a triathlon. It might be we're going to bake bread. We're going to, whatever you, whatever, I'm not telling you what to do. So as a table, I'd like you to decide on one. And then I want you to write down, make, a, make a, as big a list as you, as you have in your time. I want you to write down all the things you think, hey, we need to train uh, our people and the people that we meet in order to do this ministry. And let me give you an example. So if uh, we're going to start a bread-baking ministry, okay, so what do we need to train people how to do? How to make bread, <laughs> right? Uh, how to run the ovens, what'd you say? How to shop for supplies, right. And, and, so, and then you're just going to brainstorm all of these things, okay? So in your, in your tables, we're going to take just a little break. Uh, and then Kim, if you feel comfortable, join a group. It doesn't matter who you want to join. They're all wonderful people. Amen? Uh, so uh, 
Go ahead and make your list. Yeah, good, good question was asked. Do we need to narrow down to one ministry? It would be helpful if you pick one. Uh, yes. Would a group like to share kind of the, what process they came through and some, some of the ideas you had or, or, the ide- or what, uh, <clears throat> what kind of training you, you feel you need for your, your idea? So it's a, a, basically a summer lunch program where we have a VBS-type program going on at the same time as the lunch and then even a takeaway breakfast for them for the next morning because there's many kids, especially in low-income areas where they're provided breakfast at the school, and then when summer comes, they're kind of on their own. And so the idea is something that, you know, in a park or something so they can walk to it and potentially bring their older siblings with them that are watching them or whatever. But then we reach out, as you advised, to help from the community for a graphic designer, for flyers and advertising, for food and supply donations, for monetary donations, a nutritionist to help us make sure the the lunches are good, um, a permission letter for wherever we're going to be, because if it's you know at a park or a municipal thing, we got to get permission to be there. Uh, seek older kids for guides, like if their kids can come to a point and then join with an older kid to bring them the rest of the way, if that's a, an issue. Uh, local law enforcement to, to kind of patrol around and even come give demonstrations, some help preparing the food, uh, talk to businesses or the fire department about coming and doing you know a display for everybody, um, adult seeking adult or parent help uh, if it's inclement weather, uh, borrowing the Pathfinder tents in the summer and they're not using it, or going up with a rental place and seeing if we can borrow theirs for the time, uh, medical support, security, and then the training we need is like VBS style training, right? The same kind of verified volunteers, and then you know those, that's the kind of program we have in mind anyway. So using those resources that exist for that. And we, of course, would have to locate a, uh, or scout a location and seek approval, help our kids, perhaps a GoFundMe page, but then any of the displays and things that we do or anything that we use, we're going to have the kids do thank you notes because everybody seems to respond well to that. Okay, fantastic. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, did that seem, uh, and you, we, we're, well, this is a safe zone. I didn't put the sign up, but it is a safe zone. Um, how many of you, when you heard that, thought, boy, that's overwhelming and that's a pretty big project? Anybody? Just a few? I mean, it's, you're like, whoa, I mean, now you're talking a lot of work. It's a lot of field work. <laughs> um, but I think uh, this is the beautiful thing about the process. No one told you how big it needed to be or how small it needed to be. No one told you you had to do anything of such a grand, granditude or, or, or not. Um, that's what you feel like, hey, this is what we want to do. And based on your group size, your list will grow or shrink accordingly. Does this make sense? Um, <clears throat> another thing that's really kind of cool is you've just given yourself reasons to meet for quite a long time. One of the things that frustrates, well, at least me, I don't know if anyone else, how many have ever been to a meeting and, and, and about five minutes in said, why am I here? Why are we meeting? There's no point to this meeting. And then I get kind of salty or sarcastic, which might be hard to believe. And then, or the worst, I just disconnect. You pull out your phone and, you know, terrible. But if you have an actual reason to meet, you meet, and then when you're done meeting, you stop meeting. 
there has been times in our history where we have set up a traditional time to meet and it needs to be this long and it's structured a certain way and one person needs to talk the whole time. You understand? So we fall in love with structure instead of point or purpose. We want to change that <clears throat> and we'll let them, let them do that. Now, here's what I want you to understand as well. There are so many layers of focus in this approach. I'm just going to ask you, how, like, what areas do you see that you're wanting to be successful in? Like, when, if this happens, this has been successful. Forgive me if that was phrased wrong. But, like, if the events that you pulled, you wrote and came up with, if it was pulled off, if you can't, because I'm guessing many of you created an event. And it might be a occurring event or whatever. But if it happens, how do you know if it's successful or not? Give me some answers. Okay, so just to, 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 to rephrase, because I'm on the mic. You're starting a ministry for single mothers. So success to you is when single mothers start attending church. Good. Right. Can, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry. That was, yeah, you said that. When single moms can, outside of the church connect with women in the church and potentially might be attending church. Okay. So that connection. So that's absolutely, that's great. So, so if I may, in a, in a more vague way, say when um, relationships are formed with, personally with the community, like that's, that's a level of success. Okay. What's another one? What's that? Okay. Okay. Okay, so the event itself, if it takes place, is a success. The second thing you said that was super key is you said our young people are, are active in ministry. That's another level of success. You, you, you catch this? Okay, what else? Is there anything else? Okay, when young people are empowered and leading, that's another level of success. Sure. Anything else? Yes? Okay, so when we're relevant in the community and they actually know who we are legitimately, that's a success. Right. They, they, <laughs> I love this. They begin to like us. <laughs> that is a success. Now, this is really intriguing. I think that there is a perception, it might be true, that the people in the community don't like us. I, I think it's worse than that. They don't know we exist. So you'd have to know they exist to, to not like. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Anything else? I don't, I don't want to. Yes. Yeah, intergenerational ministry. When you're actually talking to someone that isn't of your age group, for a point, most of the time when we talk to someone that's on the other or the opposite end of our, our age, it's so surface, it typically is a happy Sabbath, good morning, nice to see you, or some pleasantry, right? But what if you actually had an intelligent conversation with someone 
that was not in your age group for ministry's sake. How fun would that be? You know, you're, if maybe, maybe you're in the, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in, in a retirement age and you actually have an intelligent conversation with a 15-year-old on what we're going to be doing for ministry. It's so to the point that you don't have any pleasantries because they're not needed. That's pretty cool. Okay, so, <clears throat> what? yes? That's another, that's fantastic. And, and there's something that you definitely inferred. I, I'll say that. You, okay, so he said, um, uh, if we're, we're going to do handyman activities in the community, so we're going to actually train people how to do, you know, basic skills, whether it's operate a power tool, I'm guessing, or hammer, or electrical, or whatever, whatever you, you say. So we're actually training them uh, uh, vocational ed, ed, voc ed skills, right? Which, People skills. Yes. And, and by the way, from an educational standpoint, the two of the major uh, deficiencies slash focus on education, and it's, 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 it's making a huge push in the world right now back is, is voc ed skills. People are coming back and saying, man, we need to teach our kids how to, how to fix things, and we don't. They're all deficient. And hey, you know what we need? We need to bring back shop which 25, 30 years ago was, that was taboo. Like, that is so archaic, and nobody needs to do that. We need to bring in, take, get rid of shop and put in a nice big fat computer lab. And, and, and my point, point is not to rip on technology. It's just, it's funny that we're recognizing, maybe it's these people that learned all of this technology when they need a, a leak fix, they, they play the plumber $150 to fix a leak that they could have fixed themselves, and they're like, Man, I should have went to shop class, you know. Um, so, and then, and then a, another thing that is there uh, is mentorship. Because if you're going to teach them, you're mentoring them. By the way, you've just showed the youth that you're valuable. Which didn't mean a whole lot until you started getting gray hairs right here in the middle of your beard. Right? You know what I'm saying, Connor? Yeah. So, so that's really, that's super important. One of the horrible sides of youth ministry that I hope has died a cruel death, but was alive for years, was we're cool. This is the group. We figured it out. Stay away from the old people, because they're the man, and you're going to sell out. If you, now, they don't, they don't get up front and say that, but they do that with every smart aleck joke when they make fun of a song or a certain style of dress, they're basically saying there's nothing for you in the church. And we go, well, man, why, why are young people leaving the church after youth group? Man, we had 150 there the other night, and, and then they, they, that doesn't translate. Because you told them not to translate. So now a huge push that is going on in, 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 in this country uh, is intergenerational ministry. We're recognizing like that's the that's the dumbest thing you should ever do. Because there's so much wisdom. I mean, whenever I have a problem in my house, do you know who the first person I call? A slightly older gentleman named my father. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you can just do da 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 And then you know what I do? I Google it. Oh, okay. Because I don't know the words to Google. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is happening. He goes, oh, that's your, you know, whatever. 
McGillicuddy switch. You know, like, what's a McGillicuddy switch? Well, it's just, you know, I just made that up. There's no such thing. It's a McGillicuddy switch. Sound good, though. You know, it's like, okay, how do you spell that? You know, so isn't that true, though? Isn't that true? Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's so many layers of success. Now, I will tell you that you need to change your mindset of your church community because, in my opinion, there are two things, and this is in the educational world, too. They judge success on two things. It doesn't matter what they say. These two things is all they care about. Attendance and finance. I can't tell how many years I'd, they say, hey, how's your school year going? Oh, man, we're having such a great year, and God is blessing. Oh, really? And I know it's coming. What's your enrollment? Like, what does that matter? Like, what, if I gave you a number, how do you even know if that's good? For instance, if you lived in Cadillac, and you said, we had 50 kids at our school this year. Is that a good number? For Cadillac, you go, are you out of your mind? We had to hire another teacher. We haven't had, you know, whatever, three teachers, you know, and we had to put in a parking lot, you know, whatever. I don't know. But 50 in another school, they'd be like, oh, I'm so... So you don't even know whether to say you're sorry or congratulations. And then the second piece is, you know, finance. And, and, and to be sure, financially, you've got to figure out how this works. But I'm telling you, young people are amazing. They're like, oh, I know how to get money. They just do. And here's what they'll do that older people don't like doing. They'll ask for help. We don't like to ask for help. Young people have yeah, they'll help. They'll do a GoFundMe page. They'll go up to people they don't even know. You and the reason why they'll do that is this. Because it's not them asking. They're asking for something else. Like I wouldn't go and say, hey, give me money. Why? Because I just need $20, you know. I might ask my dad for that, but <laughs> because I've just gotten that habit. <laughs> but if I am standing up for something else, I would do that. And I think other, other generations will, but young people will do that. Okay, now, so do you see, you see how this works? I, I will tell you that this is going to be a problem you're going to have. It's not going to be a youth thing for long. Your church is going to get involved. It's just going to be a thing. It's going to be like, man, this is kind of, you know, because when we meet, we're not meeting to try and figure out how to keep what we have. We're meeting to figure out how to gain more. And if you've ever been in a meeting where you just talk about how to keep what we have, that is painful. Right? Um, <clears throat> now, yeah, we have time. Okay, here we go. Then, he bade them follow me. Now we've done this. We've got this ministry going. What we have to safeguard at all costs against is this. To stop with just social reform. Because atheists can act like this, can act like Jesus without even knowing him. You follow what I'm saying? So we have to figure out a way to connect what we're doing to help our community. We're mingling, but we have, we're mingling for a purpose, which comes to this third piece, which is encompass. I, I like this word because it means to surround and include comprehensively. I love that, to include comprehensively. 
I, my desire for these friendships that we're making, by the way, uh, sorry, pause, the other layer, one more layer, is people that I ask to help me, like it's successful if that person now feels like they're part of your church. Like they might not even have joined yet. I, how many of you have friends that call themselves Seventh-day Adventists because you are? Do, do, do you have that? I, I actually have people I know. They're like, yeah, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm like, no, you're not. You don't even go to church. But he, he's a Seventh-day Adventist because I am. Like that's what he, and you say, well, that's problematic. Well, kind of. He's just a future Seventh-day Adventist. I've had this guy call me one time, and he goes, hey, man, tell me what we believe about hell. And I go, what? He goes, look, I'm talking to a client, and he's talking about all kinds of whack stuff, and he's way off. Tell me what we believe about hell. Because I need to, like, he literally left a meeting. He's over on his cell phone, like, tell me what. I go, well, all right. Well, this is what, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. I'll talk to you later. And then he hangs up, And then he goes, and he's ministering this good about something he doesn't even know. Because he's a seven-day Adventist. I'm like, amen. Yeah, you go, brother. Uh, so, so, you know, obviously we're not there yet. But I want to have those types of relationships with people that, hey, I'm whatever this guy is. Amen? Don't you want that? So, okay, so encompass. Um, I want, now, we're doing these things. So, that, so then the, the, the question is, how do we bring them into a fuller knowledge of, of the truth. Because truth is not, is not just knowledge, it's a person, right? So we've actually introduced them to truth who is the person in Jesus. We've acted like him, and now we're like, hey, he's even cooler than that. There's a knowledge about him that the more you get to know him, the more you're going to love him. And the more you love him, the more he's going to help you do what he does. That's John 14, 15. If you love me, you can keep these. Like, it's not a problem. It's not a condition of friendship. It's like, duh, if you hang out with me, you totally can keep these commandments. So, and by the way, here's another thing I know. This is, uh, if you ever heard of Christian Swartz, he wrote a book called Natural Church Development. It's, it's an older book. It's a really kind of interesting book. But what he suggests in there is in order for someone to, to fully integrate into a faith community... Uh, and to just, you know, be, be active, they need at least seven friendships. So if you think like, hey, just stick with me and I'll protect you from the entire church, like you could have that type of mindset. And let's just be honest, maybe in the early stages you might want to navigate that way. But you've got to introduce them to more people. <clears throat> if I'm a young person and I, and I get this, like, <clears throat> you make a connection with somebody in the community and you want to start, because um, they want to know where you go to church, right? And they actually want to hang out with you. Do, you. do you care what church is like? Oh, yeah, right? And, and here's what, tell me, if, tell me if I'm wrong. When you bring them to church, don't you like look out for people like, oh, that's a cool person, I want to introduce them to them. And then like, stay away from that person, not cool. You know, whatever, <laughs> Jesus helped them, you know, type of thing. <laughs> But you don't, you don't, right? So you're like, hey, hey, meet this person. And you typically go to people who are, you know, somewhat friendly and aren't going to, you know, freak. So now all of a sudden, look what we've done to, this is another layer of success. Now all of a sudden a young person cares about what church is like. And 
what happens if you care about something, like really care about something? Typically, you get active on improving it or supporting it, right? Embracing it. So it's important to them what worship style is like. It's important to them what potluck is like, what whatever, anything is like. So all of a sudden, they care. They care about Sabbath school. They actually care what's being talked about, and they want to contribute because they've got a friend here. And it's important that they understand. Have you ever been in a situation where something theological is being discussed, and you have a friend who doesn't really understand that theology? You feel responsible to say something in that group that explains it in a way that you believe it needs to be explained. Well, now you just got active in Sabbath school. People say, how do you fix Sabbath school? Well, you know, active, being active will fix Sabbath school. It's not like, well, if we, you know, hello, my darling, hello. You know, like we do some dance or we find a new version of the Bible or look at this colorful brochure. Like that's going to fix Sabbath school? No, conversion. Being active will fix Sabbath school. I don't mean to be so basic, but I guess I do. <laughs> um, we, can, we can do this. Yes? And look what just naturally happened. You engaging the community to act like Christ has now caused you to be engaged in church. So, in tomorrow, our last day together, um, we're going we're gonna to talk about this, but I'm also going to, hopefully this will be helpful, I'm going to try and give you some tips to look out for, like, these are pitfalls to avoid, or, like, you, you want to make sure you do this so that this can go as smooth as possible. I guarantee that the devil's going to try and attack you if you do this. This is the last thing he would have you to do, is to be active in your community and your church. Regardless if you follow this process or whatever, if you want to be active in soul winning and being active in your church, he will attack you. And he will, I mean, you're going to see stuff that you, you never saw before. So you're going to have to, 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 have, to have that strength to endure uh, through Christ these issues. But <clears throat> um, I feel like if you follow some of these ideas and, and, and come ready to share, this won't be a me, hey, I've come down from the mountain, this is what I know. Uh, this is going to be, hey, this has been my experience. And share with, you know, I, I want you to share as well, like, hey, this is another thing that, you know, that we should include um, so, that, so that together in our, in our churches we can, we can do something that's a little more engaging the community, um, to, be, to be honest. And this, that's not an attack on any of your churches. I'm not suggesting that you're not. I'm just saying systemically we're not. I guess that's what I'm, I'm trying to communicate. Um, another thing I found that was really interesting was how you, uh, how you engage this. I heard some of you engaging like you were trying to say, this is what would be good for youth, and that was fantastic. Some of you are acting exactly like the youth will act, and that's fantastic. How, did, did, you en did you enjoy the, the synergy and the, the brainstorming? Like, was that a powerful experience? Like, I think that's what's going to happen with the young people as well. Um, Amy said something, I don't mean to put you on the spot, so I will rephrase it, but you correct me. Uh, I was listening in, and she said, there might be some people who are concerned with their children hanging out with young people who aren't converted. But then you said something to the fact of, but that doesn't bother me at all. 
because I want them to be engaged with young people who are converted. And this is my interpretation of what you meant by that. Because that's how I want them to be exposed to that type of behavior. In ministry. I want my daughter to learn about alcoholics because she's ministering to a drunkard. You follow me? Not because she's at a party with a bunch of bad Venice and one of them pass her a, a bottle. You follow what I'm saying? Because what's really intriguing is what we'll say is, you know, we want to protect our kids at all costs, and so you can't go outside of my bubble, but when your kid goes, hey, can I go to another home in the bubble? Oh, yeah, sure, you can go over to Billy's. I mean, we grew up with Billy. He's fine. And then, how did that happen? I was at Billy's. I will tell you that I, I, I definitely, and those that knew me in high school, I definitely would not call myself a saint. I, 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 amen, thank you. Thank you. Um, no, it's true. I, I can't refute that. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but there were certain social norms that my parents instilled in me that I said, this is a line I won't cross. And I didn't cross them mainly because I didn't think they crossed them. And none of my friends crossed them. The only ones that I knew crossed them, they, they kind of had an all, unter, uh, Uncle Arthur experience, which is an older person joke. Like Uncle Arthur stories, whenever you did anything bad, they like lost a leg or died or went to jail, you know, and so you're scared to death, you know. But when the first time I went to an Adventist, uh, attended an Adventist university, I went out uh, one day, we were out in my car, I had, a, I had a convertible, and we're driving down the road, me and a bunch of my, you know, holy friends, and I look in the back, and I see one of them uh, lighting up a cigar. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I was shocked, and, and I immediately thought, he can't do that. He's a Seventh-day Adventist, you know? And like, all those Uncle Arthur stories came, like, the police is going to stop us. We're going to hit a tree, you know? And this is horrible, you know? And, and you know what happened? Uh, they all lit up, and they, nothing happened. And I was like, I, they, you know, hey, do you want? No. Um, and, but nothing happened. And then we went out again, and, and it happened again, and nothing happened. And then, I don't know how many times, maybe it was a second, maybe, I don't remember, but then all of a sudden it was like, hey, nothing's happening. No, because I wasn't converted. Yeah, let me be clear. I wasn't converted, but I was socially converted. You remember what I said about the squishy center on our day one meeting about Generation Z? The reason why they're not coming to church is now society says you don't have to. That's what happened to me. My Adventist society said, this is the norms we expect. But when I went out, outside of it, because I didn't have conviction, and I wasn't used to hanging around anybody who didn't, the minute they did it, I was like, oh, I guess that's what we do in my new society. However, if I'm integrated with people outside of the church bubble, and I'm doing ministry, and I'm seeing the wages of sin, then logic will tell me not to do that sanctified logic like no thanks no hey aren't you cool yeah i'm extremely cool actually and that's why i don't want to do it i've been ministering to a guy that did this for years his life was ruined and so will yours well are you a legalist no i'm a loyalist 
and I'm intelligent. No, thank you. We need to set our children up in a different, you know, environment instead of, I don't, don't talk about that. They might hear. I want my daughter. I actually have, she's four. I have conversation. Yeah, he's drunk. <laughs> you know, he's drinking. You're like, well, that's a little too soon. Okay, maybe. I, I hope I'm not wrong. But the, again, I want full exposure to the, the wages of sin because we're fighting sin. You catch what I'm saying? So um, tomorrow, we're out of time. So tomorrow, we're going uh, to talk about this. And I'm going to actually tell you the, the question we're going we're gonna to lead off with tomorrow. I'd uh, love for you to come back. Uh, we're going to focus on this. How do you intentionally speak to them about spiritual things? And what does that look like? Okay, so we're meeting because we have a point. You've got a list of reasons why we're meeting. Okay, now how does, how does, how does this transition or not, maybe transition is the wrong, wrong word. How do we actually focus on spiritual things while we're doing this? You, you catch what I mean? And how does it happen naturally? What might we need to create? Or how would we format these meetings? Um, anyway, that's the next step in the process. We're going to talk about this. And then, and then in the backside, after we, we, we discuss this question, I'm going to talk to you about some things that I feel like you're going to want to do as you're setting this up at your local church. Make sense? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to meet and to discuss and to strategize and vision plan. and oh, Thank you so much for giving us brains that can do this. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that just inspires us. Lord, I just simply ask that we would move from inspiration here in the basement of the Cedar Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church into implementation at the local church that we attend. We pray for our young people. We pray that they would get excited. We pray for all ages that we would want to engage the community for your glory. It's my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.